0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson scores! Gold yeah. sword! Yes! Welcome everybody! Another episode of the Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the whole world, hosted by two guys who are not going to rest on our laurels even though we're on the top of our game. Since we've seen what happened with Peter Kochakov, he was doing great and even he got benched, okay? I'm your host, Dylan Dubrowski, and with me to get into 2023 by recapping everything that happened at the end of last year and making sure we're all on track for the second half, not even the second half, second two thirds of the fantasy season, it's my very good friend, the Fantasy Hockey Robot, the Poopop Prognostication, the IPP mvp the freaking genius of keeping carlson it's brian calm hello elon hello everyone it's not, aren't you nice to have someone to talk to i listen to your
1: solo like you've been uh keeping the feet afloat single-handedly <laughs> for the last week like a crazy person
0: we, here just talking I to myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all really appreciate it. I want you to know, uh, and I hope listeners you've been enjoying. I'm very happy to be here and hopefully a better uh co-host than nobody. Hopefully I'm <laughs> I'm ranked above just Elon, Elon and Brian versus uh anyway, I'm I'm happy to be here. It was nice of you to say that like we're both at the top of our games because that is absolutely not true. Like I, I wrote you a week or was it two weeks ago? I don't know. Time is kind of a mess because I I I'm in a bit of a fantasy hockey depression. Right now, And like this, is a, it's a hard time of year. I know I'm not alone. It's that moment where your team is not snapping out of that slide that you thought that they would just naturally snap out of. And as, you know, things that happened a few weeks ago, you're like, okay, well, that'll even out. Well, other things are getting in the way and canceling out the even outs or whatever you expected to happen. And I know like there's this real temptation and I'm feeling it right now. And I have for the last week or so. And I probably I haven't done myself any favors. Um, you feel like stepping back and it, it puts what that does. is It puts you out of the loop, which leaves you in a bigger hole to climb out of when you do decide to check back in, especially in like the cupful. Like it's hard. Everyone's dialed in all the time. Well, that's what, that's uh, what but- this
0: episode's for. Anyone who feels checked yeah. out, we're going to get you in.
1: We're going to get you checked back in because this is the moment right here that you can start getting ready to whip your team into shape. Maybe the next week is futile. All right. It is for me. But maybe this is the moment where you take those first steps to get your team up and running. Two to three weeks from now. Like, I'm personally screwed. Elon, I missed out on Eric Gustafson. I missed out on Callie Yarncroft. God knows. However many others. I added all the wrong guys. I passed on all the guys I should have added. I'm just getting wrecked in every way. I'm sinking to the bottom of my like, cupful tier three division. Uh, but I'm. this is me getting back in the game okay. here. So I, I invite you, listener... I'm sure you're already in the game. You've been listening to Elon talk to himself for, like, a week now. Uh, But hold on. Come back in with me. Let's jump in and rescue our teams from the bottom of the standings. Let's do this. Yeah.
0: There might be some people that are successful listening, Um, being like... Yeah,
1: well, they're fine. They don't need a pep talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We got this. And you know what? I had a lot of these guys in my head. Like I wasn't out of the loop. I still didn't add any of them. <laughs> a couple, unfortunately. I wish I had Yarn Kroc or Gustafsson, but alas, other people have jumped on them. But you know what? That doesn't mean that I don't know who to talk about on the podcast. So we're going to do our best. We're going to have a lot of fun. The plan is we're going to go around the league, okay? Make sure we do a check-in on every team so we're a- a- absolutely up to date on everything going on. Before we get into it, of course, Kieven Carlson presented by DabberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the world. They've been keeping everyone up to date. All you have to do is read their daily ramblings every day. You know exactly what's going on. I use Frozen Tools to prep the show and to do all of my fantasy prep. It's the best. So Dapper Hockey, Frozen Tools, it's amazing. But okay, Brian, let's get into it. Let's just go in alphabetical order here. A classic team-by-team starting in Anaheim. And Anaheim's a good place to start because next week, they've got a streamagami. If you heard me do the Stream Scheme episode, uh, which dropped uh, as the previous episode on the feed, I mentioned that's the team that has the best schedule of the week. If you add an Anaheim player, you're going to get four games. They're all light days. You're going to fit them all in. The only problem um, is that Anaheim players don't score goals, which is, uh, you know, even if you get a 1,000 games, if they only score a 1,000 goals in a 1,000 games, you're not going to get too many points, right? And, and they've only scored five goals total as a team in their last three games. Uh, Trevor Zegers had two assists versus Vegas, but aside from that, he's been pointless in the other five of his last six games. He's had also lots of, like, zero- and one-shot-on-goal games, so Trevor Zegers really kind of falling off the map of, like, a super-valuable fantasy asset. I guess the best player on the team right now is Troy Terry. He has three Three assist in his last six games, not even that special. But okay, probably those guys aren't available. Let's say you're going to try to make a streaming decision next week. You're like, even though Anaheim's not scoring, like i got to add one of these guys. They have a stream of Gami. Come on. So Brian, I'm going to give you a forward decision and a defense decision. I want you to, you to let me know if you'd add to you them. But you could also say none of the above. You could just be like, I'm not interested, and I'd rather go for like three games from someone versus four games from one of these guys. But for the forwards, I think the next best options are probably either Adam Henrique, who's been on the top line in top power play. He had two goals in the game versus Vegas, but he's been pointless in four of his other five but you know really good deployment playing with Zegris and terry or it should be and then you got mason mctavish who's not playing on that line he's been playing on a line with vetrano and leeson but he has been on the top power play he did score goals in two straight games before going pointless for a due game so that's the forward decision mctavish versus henrique and then the defense decision you've got the guy on the top power play camp fowler was not doing anything with it only one point in his last five two points in his last nine doesn't give you any peripherals so he's been a really tough hold but you keep telling yourself i mean he's on the top power play. that should be worth something right But of course like i said the team doesn't score and then or let's say the other option is john klingberg who's supposed to be really good in previous years with dallas he was always good he's pointless in five barely peripherals. also second power play but maybe he's due so Brian, right, mctavish versus henrique fowler versus klingberg what are your uh decisions here
1: I think, well, for the forward decision, I'm going to go straight through with deployment as being the answer. And like Henrique, yeah, has some low shot games, which is kind of a bummer when you have him because he, but he's on top line, top power play. And McTavish, I mean, yeah, he can pop off for four or five shots a night, but. He also has his nights where he gets none or one. Granted, he is more likely to get you two shots or more and do something for you than Henrique. but I think I'm going to go for the the most likely place to get points from Adam Henrique uh, over Mason McTavish, just because that second line in Anaheim doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to work with there. Like Frank Vitrano's on my waiver wire right now, and I was, a couple of weeks ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, like this is looking good, and I'm kind of just leaving him be, even though he's playing with, Mason McTavish, which isn't even that much of a pull. So um, yeah, that's why I'm going Henrik at forward, and then on defense, man, this this is tough. Uh, like Cam Fowler, I feel like Cam Fowler. I I don't like either of them, <laughs> Cam Fowler, and John Klingberg. I was gonna say I was gonna go Fowler. That's fair. Um, we'll
0: talk about some other defensemen on the show. Maybe yeah, is none of the above.
1: He's just so boring. Like zero or one shots a game for the most part. And even with great deployment doesn't help you a whole lot. And then you have Klingberg who uh, also doesn't help you a whole lot, but at least, well, you'd like to think there's upside, but there sure hasn't been a whole lot of, so it forced me to pick one Elon and I will take um, Fowler, like a really strange quirk of, um, of Klingberg is he has no assists in his last 17 games. Like this is not how a defenseman operates. He has four points. They're all goals. It's, it's, it's all very strange what's happening with Klingberg and Anaheim. So I think I'd just go Fowler, uh, grip my teeth, and bear it if I had to choose one of these players.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Joe Pavelski just signed a contract today, 3.5 mil for next year. I wonder if Klingberg will be able to beat that. He was hoping for a long-term like $7 million contract. I think he'll be lucky to get the 3.5 with how things have been going in Anaheim. I'm sure someone will give it to him. But I, don't, I, I, would, I would hope my team wouldn't. Uh, one team that's uh, flush with defensemen getting points, and the next team on our list here, Arizona, they're the opposite of Anaheim. They're scoring a ton of goals. They have 15 goals. In their last three games. And they won three games in a row against LA, Colorado, and Toronto before finally losing to Tampa Bay. Giant killers here in Arizona. They're too good. Uh, but of course, they had to take a hit. Uh, Nick Schmaltz is out. That sucks. I would have been excited to see what Arizona could do with this ragtag bunch, but they just lost one of their best players in Schmaltz. He had a six game point streak going. So we'll see if he's back soon. I don't think we have an official word yet. The Lions without Schmaltz look pretty not great, right? In this game versus Tampa, Keller was playing with Travis Boyd and a call up, Carsoni, his name or carcone actually no i think i, I saw a highlight Carconi, i think is what it is and then uh, Lawson loss was playing a line with bjogstad and mcbain which i think is the second line anyways the top power play keller boyd Ritchie, and then the the, the true stars on the team aside from keller jacob chickard and Shane Gosses bear man this team is carried by their d for offense which is it's kind of like the, what the sharks were supposed to be right with burns and carlson i just feel like most of the goals you know it's chicken or gossip bear getting in on it gossip bear now has 16 points in his last 18 games chicken has 17 points in 19 games overall since coming back from his injury they're just both amazing and like everyone talks about Chikrin all the time right you search on twitter for Chikrin, it's just people talk about who he's going to get traded for no one's really talking about gossip bear who's a, a ufa at the end of this year i'm interested to know like what's going to happen with this guy like I'm curious, like, if he goes somewhere else, do we, like, expect him to be a stud, like, wherever he goes? Like, has he shown us that this is, like, a superstar player who, you know, like, could just go to some team and, like, really improve them and we're going to want him? Or is it just, like, he's in, like, an amazing situation right now and he's great, but, like, if he were to get traded, it's, like, forget about, it. which is weird to say, right? Because I know, I know you're, like, laughing here because I'm talking about Arizona, but it's fit in so well. And he was so, like, blah in Philly in those last few years, but I just wonder if Philly misused him. Maybe he's actually a superstar and, and he's just now getting a chance to show it.
1: So a lot of what you said is all super interesting and I want to try and remember all of it. So first off, it's like, oh, is he is he just in a great situation in Arizona? And yeah, I did I did crack a smile there, because who would have thought that he'd be in a good situation in Arizona? But Shane Gossis has been a part of a coyotes team that has defied the odds now for one and a half seasons. Arizona is shooting right around ten percent at five on five for the second consecutive year. Um, which is wild. Like, we wouldn't expect uh, a team to be shooting that successfully unless they're really good. And Arizona is not. In fact, this is the second straight year that the Coyotes have been 31st in the league in expected goals rates, but top five in team shooting percentage at five-on-five, five, which is, it, yeah, usually like, shooting percentage usually regresses unless you have some really top-end talent talent. Um, So I'm wondering if Andre Turini has cracked some kind of code uh, that we're not seeing show up in the numbers that we haven't figured out yet and how to measure expected goals. And we should be saying, oh, yeah, Arizona's seeing these really high quality chances. and should be shooting 10% with weak personnel or... Maybe the more likely explanation is that this is unsustainable production team-wide for one and a half seasons now from the Coyotes. And gossesberry bear has been in there, right? 10% shooting percentage at five on five while he's on the ice. That's amazing. That's a great way to pick up points. Um, that's, so that's one reason why Goss' bear has been doing as well as he has been. Second reason, great power play production. And it seems sustainable too. He's pacing for above 20 power play points this season, which is a little bit ahead of what he was pacing for last year when he didn't have quite as much opportunity. And then, Elon, the second point about Goss' despair that you mentioned is, like, Philly, you know, did Philly mishandle him? And we saw, like, his first three years in the league, Goss' despair had a he debuted with a 59-point pace, followed that up with a 42-point pace, then a 67-point pace, and I don't know if you remember, that was enough to make me believe that Goss Despair was going to be, you know, something awesome and special and fantastic offensively in the league, but then f- the Flyers did something strange. They seemed to actively suppress Goss Despair's freedom to play the way he plays and his opportunity and thus value. Eventually, they paid for the Coyotes to take Goss Despair off their hands so he was this player that looked legit good and then basically was told don't play that way and if you do you're gonna lose ice time you're gonna lose opportunity and uh, then he got to Arizona and was able to play his game again so I I definitely think Gostas Bear has value as an offensive power play one quarterback type defenseman and his defensive numbers over the years they're not gangbusters like I wouldn't want this guy uh, being a top two defensive anchor for me but he also hasn't been terrible. Like, I wonder if he could be as someone better than, you know, like Tyson Barry, who has the offensive aptitude, but no defensive capability. And I think Bear is ahead of Barry in that sense. So I think Bear fits in in the top four role, offense first, defensively acceptable. And what does this mean for him as a keeper? Yeah, I'd be considering him. Of course, the caveat for Bear is that he lands somewhere that doesn't have top power play opportunity that would be bad as a ufa or uh he lands with a team that doesn't like what he does defensively and ends up back in the situation he left in philadelphia john Klinkberg, kind of a cautionary tale as a maybe i don't know it's totally fair comp but it's one i'll i'll just toss out there um on the whole tough to say for sure on gossip because we're on year two of unsustainable percentages which either means gossip Bear deserves them or he's really lucky. It's hard to know which one, but we've seen bear be good enough before that I wouldn't be surprised to see him take advantage of an opportunity. There's lots of unknown with him, some flags, but Elon, I'm glad you brought up the, the possibility that if you have Gossespierre and you're in a keeper, he's in the conversation for whether or not you hold on to him next year. Of course, a lot depends on destination, but at least we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, and like maybe he'll get traded at the trade deadline this year, which will be interesting, or maybe it'll be a UFA signing if it's a UFA. Well, either way, he'll be a UFA at the end of the season, right? And so hopefully he and his agent will be smart enough to go to a team that will use him like properly and a team that could use a top power play defenseman. I don't see why he would choose otherwise, you know, go back to a situation where the team actively suppresses yeah. the way he plays, but you never know. I'm trying... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I I know you wanna move on. I'm just trying to think of like the last power play one quarterback. Like we have so many cautionary tales recently. Like Klingberg is one, Krug's another that comes to mind. Like I'm trying to think think of of a good
0: one though, on the opposite side, like Tony D'Angelo was a free agent and he went to Philly, Gosses Bear's old stopping ground. A lot of people were really nervous, right? They thought, Oh, he's not going to fit in with Tortorella. We're going to talk about Philly when we get there. But like D'Angelo has been great. He's been good. Like I, and he kind of reminds me of like a Gosses Bear, right? You know, not terrible defensively, but not like the defenseman the team relies on. And and he's, like, really good on the power play and gets a lot of points. I actually see those two as pretty similar, and uh, it's worked out pretty well for D'Angelo. So it'll be interesting to see. By the way, while we're on Arizona, I wanted to mention uh, this other line, the Lawson-Kraus line. Like, I have to call it that because Lawson-Kraus is a thing now. He's he's on a three-game point streak. He's up to 30 30- Four goals and fifty-three points. That's the pace he's putting up. If he keeps up what he's been doing, I'm just curious to know if you think it's sustainable. Like, or even if not, like Arizona plays four times next week. This is a former, like, high pedigree guy, right? He's not just like a garbage pail player who happens to be having a good season. Like, he was the 11th overall pick back in 2015. So Kraus is definitely someone that's getting on my radar. I was like, maybe he can keep it up, and he's like not even getting great deployment. You know, he's on a line with Nick Bjugstad and and who else? I say Carconi, and then he's like not on the top power play, but he still keeps on producing. And by the way, for those super, super deep leagues, that Nick Bjurstad he's doing stuff he has goals in two straight games points in three straight he was like left for dead right like i even like we used to think he was good he was a uh first round pick also way back in 2010 and he was looking like he was going to be a key part of florida but before he like totally fell off the map um anyway it's been a good line lately so i just wanted to bring them both up and curious to get your take on if kraus is someone who you're interested in at all or if you think it's totally going to fall off
1: I don't think Lawson Kress is going to keep up this pace. I mean, so far for the season, like he's on above a 50-point pace, which is good, but that's being helped by him scoring on 22% of the shots he takes in all situations. Krauss is also benefiting from even above what Arizona's average on ice shooting percentages. His is at 13% at 5-on-5. That's too high. I think Krauss and like you mentioned, he has this pedigree of being picked early. Uh, That was a controversial pick, at the time, to have Lawson Krauss just outside the top 10. That was the draft where, um, you know, Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Chabot, uh, and famously Shillington, grouped in with Barzell and Connor, went in the middle of the first round after Lawson Kraus. Uh, I see Krauss as being someone who could be, like, maybe a 50-point player, decent peripherals, maybe he could do a little more elsewhere if he's, like, the third part of a line, like maybe in I don't know if he could do like a Michael Bunting or Zach Hyman thing. I'm not sure, um, but I I wouldn't say that he's gonna really keep up such a huge pace. I think around 50 points is about where Kraus deserves to land. Yeah. And Her- Buick said, uh Bug said we we've been with him over the years. He in Minnesota, in Florida. Uh, I I don't have much time for him these days. If he's working himself into a stream of conversation cool but uh, i'm not looking back at him being a an early pick in the 2010 draft and be like maybe this is his moment
0: well, he's no. finally <laughs> reaching his upside yeah i'm just saying it's cool to see him producing and doing well like having a bit of a bounce back people go to arizona to resurrect their careers apparently and uh you know be, or retire well sure uh that that's true but hey like remember like um i don't know auntie auntie ranta like, wasn't doing that, I think, or no, he was doing, there was a goalie, oh, who am I thinking of, Brian, who was like a nothing goalie, Then oh, Kemper. Kemper looked like garbage for a couple years and went to Arizona and became a superstar it, it, it's a magical place okay it's like a field of dreams or something but well, okay. your, your career is either, either revived or killed well no I don't so, think it gets killed but like if you oh are you think like a Phil Kessel well, maybe yeah
1: or like Alex scale Like a lot of guys also end up going there I guess that's fair I guess then I'm then also over. thinking of like
0: a, a Louis Erickson where you get sent there because a team's dumping your contract and you just oh well, yeah you're being sent I to, off to the passenger to the list yeah <laughs> yeah okay let's go to Boston now two teams down 30 to go uh, so we talked before about Hampus Lindholm, I've had a bit of a regretful time, right? Because I think we said on a show that Hampus Lindholm was like a snoozer right before he totally took off. I tried to like, get the short shifts guy to like, you know, announce a correction for me, and then we put it, you know, we did our best to so say, like, no, no, because all of a sudden after we said it, Hampus Lindholm was put on the top power play instead of Charlie McAvoy. That like lasted for a couple of weeks, and Lindholm went on a great run. He had seven points in six games, with three of them being on the power play before going pointless in Boston's last game. Meanwhile, on the flip side, right, McAvoy had a bad stretch, one assist and five. Five games yesterday versus Buffalo it looks like McAvoy got more power play time but it was pretty close like I'm, I don't know if that's like it like now they've switched back I'm cu- gonna be curious to see what Boston does in their next game uh, McAvoy did get an even strength assist to break out of a bit of a funk I'm curious to know Brian like if you had Charlie McAvoy right now like we've already established Lindholm if you have him you hold on for sure if he's in free agency somehow he won't be right but if he was you'd want to grab him if you have McAvoy like how nervous are we like is this another Hedman-Surgachev situation from earlier which you know If you follow that to its conclusion, it means you shouldn't be nervous because eventually everything will get back to normal. Hedman's been amazing lately, but McAvoy right now, kind of precarious. If he's off the top power play in Boston, like I'm obviously a lot less interested.
1: For sure. Um, I don't know, Elon. Like I think if you ask a Hedman rosterer, if they should have been nervous when Sergeyev was, like I think all's well that ends well, but at the same time, it was a really dicey moment and I'm sure a lot of Hedman managers are, like maybe some, some seasons were decided based on that. So if you want to avoid having McAvoy, like maybe you're feeling a little antsy and you don't want him and you find someone who doesn't really realize that McAvoy has been missing some power play time and you don't have to downgrade much uh, to make the swap. You might want to make the swap. Like, I would be really nervous, Elon, if this trend continues of McAvoy off the top power play, because over half of McAvoy's production this year has come on the power play. 10 of his 19 points have been with the man advantage. So yeah, that makes me pretty nervous. McAvoy's five-on-five production has actually been pretty steady his whole career, too. Like, when he wasn't relevant, he's basically doing the same thing as he is now. Um, since he's become relevant, the, the difference maker has just been the power play time in production. So I guess the the only question here, Elon, and unfortunately this is a question we had a lot about the Tampa situation, is how likely is it that McAvoy keeps missing out on power play opportunities? I, I don't know. I can't find any info on this. Have you? Like it, It's like a, a, an information vacuum, like it was with Hedman and Sergeyev. And I know Boston, clearly, like they don't have any reason to care who's getting the points on their top power play like fantasy managers do. So this is something to monitor, especially if you have McAvoy. And if you want to get out from under any like potential risk yeah i might i might look around and see if anybody uh if anyone is really confident in your league that mcavoy is going to be locked in as the top power play quarterback the rest of the way and see what you can get back
0: yeah i mean obviously you're not selling for cheap right like andy's saying in the chat like mcavoy is going to be five is five on five production is great but like i don't want fine if i have charlie mcavoy i probably used a really high pick for him i want him to be amazing yeah so it obviously depends who you can get
1: yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be downgrading a substantial amount. Like if I'm just looking from a point only perspective, maybe I'll give up like a five point projected pace. Like the, the goal is to try and catch someone a little unaware of the situation or find someone a little too overconfident about McAvoy's role in yeah. Boston, that you can just escape the situation without really having any material change to your roster.
0: I mean, that that's ideal, right? Because yeah, it is a little bit concerning. Also concerning Taylor Hall, I guess that like line three second power play deployment ended up catching up with him finally, which I guess it was bound to happen, right? Like he was on such a scorching hot run, which made like no sense because normally you know bottom six second power play guys don't get like points every game including multiple multi-point games anyways hall's gone cold he's pointless in his last five i assume moving forward he's just gonna end up somewhere in the middle like i'm curious like if you had him in cupful are you holding the keeping carlson Ultra patron fantasy league uh like you know it's a 14 team deepish league obviously you don't want to hold a guy who's doing absolutely nothing but we saw how amazing he can be and he is taylor hall he's a big name Generally, I don't like holding people with deployment like this, but has he earned enough leash from us from what he was doing before that no matter what his deployment is, you have to hold rest of season because we see what he's capable of?
1: No, I think you can, like, stream him out the way you would have. He's on the third line. Uh, he's still on the second power play. There's there's not a lot to like about Taylor Hall, which is what we said about the, him the last time. And we said, like, you can forget. And, of course, then he got hot, scoring with, like, Trent Frederick and Charlie Coyle. Um, he's a good player. He can put up points from the third line, and maybe he's, like, on the higher end of your streamers. But as long as he's third line, second power play,
0: no thanks that's fair but I do think of like the third line second power play type people in the league he's like the most likely to get a shot back on the second line you know like things could change quickly and yeah. you could easily regret it so maybe if like you're desperate and you need like help right now but like you could swap him for like we'll get to Cali Yarncrock like someone like that but you know like long term it's very possible like Yarncrock gets bumped from the his line and Hall goes somewhere good or even we saw Hall was capable of producing it's tricky with Taylor Hall but anyways
1: yeah I think high-end streamer is a good classification mm. and like a late cut to your roster if you're looking to stream like yeah you don't need to jettison the guy because there is hope but elon if you've been holding out hope for like three weeks that this situation wouldn't hold you've been i mean you've been sated along the way by this unexpected production from poor deployment but that's it.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's the kind of thing where like, you know, as soon as you drop him, that's when he's going to go hot. But as long as you hold him, he'll do nothing. That's that's the way I feel like if I had him right now. And of course, since we're on Boston, I won't even, I won't even ask a question, but obviously we should probably mention that like Pasternak has been like insane. Bergeron bounced back from that cold streak. Like we said that he was going to. Marshawn has been great. DeBrusque. Like they're all good. So anyway. Nothing to say. The guys who you'd expect to be good on Boston have been very, very good. Even Pavel Zaka has been pretty good. Uh, you'll hear more about Pavel Zaka if you listen to uh, the Stream Scheme episode that I recorded and that Brian mentioned earlier on. Uh, let's go to Buffalo now. They are also scoring a lot of goals. They've scored 60 goals in their last 13 games, which adds up to like 4.6 goals per game. You know you're going to get some goals if the Sabres are playing, and the majority of them do come from that top line of Thompson, Tuck, and Skinner. They've all been amazing. Nothing to say about them. Unfortunately, next week, Buffalo only plays 20 Twice. So not a great schedule. Uh, I feel like a, even on a team that scores so much, I don't know if I'm holding anyone that's not on their top power play. So that's obviously Thompson, Tuck and Skinner. Then you've also got Dylan Cousins, who I would hold. He's been doing great as well on his line. And also, like I said, on the top power play, obviously Rasmus Dahlin is the quarterback. You're not letting go of him. Aside from them, I don't know you know they have some guys who are all potential to score in a game where buffalo only plays two times i think he let them all go and that probably even includes kyle ocposo who it's nice to see him heating up again i've always like really appreciated seeing like ocposo go on these hot runs like late in his career like this because you know he went through all those injuries things were tough but he had a hat trick versus detroit and he also had points in the previous two games He was points versus boston yesterday he's playing on a line with gurgansons and krebs uh, anyway yeah, I would drop him, but I just wanted to throw him out there. Brian, also uh, another quick note on Buffalo is Eric Comrie was sent to Rochester for a conditioning stint, so he'll be back soon. It's going to be true. I don't know. How's the net going to shake out? UPL and Anderson have both been pretty solid, and Eric Comrie was so bad before he got sent down, so I'm really curious to see if maybe he'll get, or I shouldn't say sent down, before he went down with injury. So yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen when everyone's healthy. Me
1: too. The, the, the Sabres have a situation on their hands in net, because... As you said, Luokanen and Craig Anderson have been doing great lately. They've combined for six straight wins, and in those wins, five quality starts. And the one that wasn't wasn't bad. It was like a 903 uh, start from Uko Pekka Luokkanen. And like you said, Ilan Comrie was like clearly struggling. Uh, and, like he had a whole run of games below 900. Uh, and then had a decent game before he got injured against Ottawa back in mid-November. So he's coming into a situation where there are two goalies playing better than him, uh, but he hasn't had a chance to get back on track since we last saw him. So I would say if you have room in your IR, you could add him because I'm, I'm curious to see if the Sabres just send Luokan in straight back down, say, so, yeah, Comrie and Craig have it from here. Um, thanks for your help. You go keep getting games in, in the AHL, because uh, they can do that in Buffalo. It won't, won't be hard for them to send UPL down for free. Um, and, uh, and in that case, you might be happy to have Eric Comrie on your roster. So maybe stash him just so you can see how this plays out. And then you mentioned so I guess, uh, there's not a whole lot to say about Akposo. He was shooting four. And, just a, a demonstration that the numbers don't lie and are generally true. Akposo, he was shooting four and a half percent before this little run. He's been shooting a bit more lately. That's great. Now he's shooting 10% with four goals on his last 14 shots. Good for him. And now Akposo's on like the pretty unimpressive pace that we'd expect him to be. Like Not not so awful as it was before. <laughs> uh, so way to go, Kyle Akposo, to normalize your shooting percentage and still be
0: not rosterable. Okay, Cold Water Brian. Okay, Brian. Moving forward, I'm going to mention a few other like bottom of the roster guys who are just doing something good. So sometimes we just got to like laud them a little
1: bit. A blow passes. Like, Sorry, <laughs> Kyle Leposa. Way to go! Great <laughs> run you're on. Four goals on 14 shots is amazing. Okay, if that, I had 1400 shots, I wouldn't score four goals <laughs> in the NHL.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess that's he's positive. awesome. I mean, if you could take 1400 shots in the NHL, that would be impressive on its own, right? But okay, I don't think I'd get to if I didn't score on any of them. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, so uh, let's go to Calgary now. Uh, they had a big 3-2 win over Vancouver yesterday to end the year on a high note. Uh, their latest lines, they, they shake up these lines all the time. Obviously, this team is still trying to figure things out. So Hubert and Kadri are together. I still remember at the start of the year when like I would like kind of throw out there. I wonder if Huberto and Codry will ever played together. Like, no, you dummy! It's gonna be uh, Lindholm centering Doe. Of course, and it's like yeah, we should have all known that. Like, they, I guess like people always assume that like you know whatever preseason lines are, they're just gonna click and hold all season. But like now we learn in hindsight, it's a good lesson for us. I think that you know in a new situation with all new players, don't just assume the lines from preseason are gonna end up being the lines all season. So these will probably change as well. The Huberdeau Kadri, and Lucic <laughs> a really good spot for Lucic playing with those two and then uh, Lindholm and Tefo. Only have been playing with Dylan Dubé. Uh, So yeah, great spot for Lucic. He's not doing anything with it. He's pointless in four. Only two hits also in his last two games. Like the one thing he's supposed to be good for. So not fantasy relevant, even if he's on a good line. Uh, Tyler Toffoli looking really good lately nine points in his last seven games after his assist on Lindholm's opening goal yesterday Toffoli up to uh, 30 points in 38 games with 65 point pace I feel like people were expecting like a really huge year from him when we saw his deployment at the start of the year Uh, I guess like overall it's been pretty meh, like not terrible not great I don't know Brian do you think that we're gonna see like Toffoli end up higher than this 65 point pace or lower or is this exactly where we think he'll end up?
1: Yeah, I would like to not say higher or lower. I'd say that Toffoli is likely to be closer to 65 than either 60 or 70. Seems like a guy getting about exactly as much as we'd expect given his stats. So yeah, just uh, let me take the 65.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. And then also let's mention Rasmus Anderson. His assist yesterday brought him to seven points in his last seven games. He's been like really good. He's pacing for 58 points this year, a career year for Rasmus Anderson. All of a sudden, he's got to be one of like the best contracts in the league, right? He's only making 4.5 mil for three more years after this one. It's kind of like a Jacob chikrin esque contract. Everyone talks about how Chikrin's contract is so amazing for his production, only four million in a bit. Same with Rasmus Anderson, who's on a great point pace himself. So obviously he's not on the trade block, so there's not as much excitement around i just wanted to give a a shout out to rasmus a and the the smart move by the flames to lock him in at that uh, cheap contract
1: shout out to rasmus a or r anderson whatever you prefer Uh, you know he really hasn't left much doubt at all about the player he is since anderson went on that run that he started just about a calendar year ago now
0: and it's nice that it's largely continued so uh
1: love what we see from rasmus a (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, let's go to Carolina now. Okay, like I mentioned at the start of the show, I don't know what's going on, but Auntie Ranta, four games in a row going into today and Ranta got the start again today. So make it five starts in a row for Ranta. And you know what? It maybe wasn't pretty. But he got another win. He only uh, stopped 24 of 28, but that was enough for a 5-4 win over New Jersey in the shootout today. So I guess Ranta hasn't given Carolina a reason to go back to Peter Kachakov. And like everyone who has Kachakov is like wondering what the hell happened here. Like there was at some point word that he had like a tweak and maybe that's why he was like being benched for a game even though, or, you know, playing backup, even though he was like on this amazing run. Like the last game he played... Uh, was against New Jersey back on December 20th. He stopped 37 of 38, just another game in his amazing run where like, he never would let in more than two goals in a game. Kotchakov, Rookie of the Month. He just got announced this today as the Rookie of the Month for December, someone who hasn't played since December 20th. So frustrating, right? If you have Kotchakov, it's like, and people have been asking us, like, should I drop him? And I kept on being like, I mean, probably not because every time he plays, he's so good. And eventually he'll get back in. But now I'm starting to wonder if maybe... Maybe it is time to just drop. Like Frederick Anderson has been practicing, so he'll be back soon. Clearly, Carolina's just fine to play Ranta, so they're. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy here. They're probably just going to send Kachakov back to the minors and it's nice to have him as an insurance policy. So yeah, Brian, I, I mean, you could hold him and hope that he gets the next game. But at this point, I'm starting to think like, of course, now that I say it, he is going to get the next game, like get a shutout. But like, I don't know. I feel like at this point, probably, and it's probably like too late and people are so annoyed. And also it's like the people who ha, you know could have jumped on Ranta, like we're probably all frustrated ourselves. Like, why didn't I jump on Ranta like five games ago? I could have gotten five straight games, all wins. Uh, but a lot of us just left him on our bench because we kept on assuming that Kachikov was going to play it's so just like a really weird situation in carolinas and i don't even know what happened here but obviously they know what they're doing they win every game
1: yeah and they clearly don't owe anyone an explanation for anything like you know you mentioned people keep asking what to do with Kachakov. it's like I don't, I don't know we don't know that we should everyone should just start tagging the canes rod brindamore their g like find every twitter that you can related to the organization so like we need they're terrible at sharing information in carolina and the irony of all this, of course, is what's the likelihood that Auntie Ranta would be the one that Carolina can decide that they can rely on to be healthy and think about how much their goalie situation may be dangling by a thread if they are relying on Auntie Ranta to stay healthy. I don't know if he's played this many consecutive games before without getting injured. It's a nice little run. Uh, but yeah, zero information from the Carolina Beats. So, uh, um, you know, you know, I a little a mini rant here at least for the Carolina Beats, anyone carrying the, covering the team, I wish they would at least ask and get a no comment. So, like, we could at least, okay, question's been asked and answered. <laughs> it's not for lack of asking. The, the The organization is not sharing the information. It's not out there waiting to be asked about.
0: I would like that. You want someone to ask, like, why isn't Kocikof playing? And then just get yeah. an the answer. And yeah, and then
1: Carolina can, whoever they're asking, be like, yeah, no comment. We just, we're making the best decision for the team. Yeah. And, like, then then it's asked and answered. It's not like there's a... We're leaving something on the table here.
0: I almost have like a theory. My theory would be like, they know that Anderson's going to come back and they're going to have to send Kachakov down. And they know that if like Kachakov had been in net playing all these games, it'd be such an unpopular decision, right? So at least now they've shown their fans, look, we're going to win. That's, we're that's going to so, win anyways. Now Do you, now we do can you think le- that's really true? Like oh, yeah. that they I don't know, they, just,
1: they need to sort of like torpedo Kachakov a bit just to placate the fan base?
0: Yeah, just so that when they send him down, like people won't be so mad. Because now they're, who could be mad now? If you're a Canes fan, you're like, yeah, send him down. Who cares? We're winning anyways. I love that theory. (laughs) I love it. Okay. uh, By the the way, Jordan Stahl finally had a pointless game in the 4-0 win over Florida. And it looks like Stahl once again went pointless today in the 5-4 win over New Jersey. So it was a great run. We've seen it before from Jordan Stahl, but looks like it's probably over now, right? I think it's time for people to move on. Thank him for the production and move on to your next streamer.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jordan Stahl on that best third line in the league with uh, Jesper Fast and Jordan Martinuk. Maybe not the best third line, but like the most flammable third line in the league when any of those guys gets a point you might want to jump on them because it could last for a few games but now that it's done
0: it's done i love the word flammable i feel like we maybe invented that before and then forgot that we had but now i'm getting a bit of a vague memory here but we should definitely use that more often like a player or a team is flammable uh by the way tara teravainen not flammable this season (laughs) he's he's pointless again today five goals from carolina teravainen off the top power play again brian i've got him in our the, like keeper league that we're in together. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you do. I just I wanted to drop him so long ago. And John, my co-manager is like, well, "Yeah, but he's good. Like he's supposed to be good." I don't like just like you know. John's been burned from a few bad drops. I've been burned from a few bad drops. So like I don't know. I'm sure if I drop him, he'll be good. But like it's so weird. He's been a superstar for years, and now all of a sudden this year just just nothing. But okay, I think well, it's, it's not.
1: I've, we've explained it very well on the show. He's not getting the top power play. Yeah, as soon as I
0: drop him, he That's will. It. He'll get it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've all been burned. So this is how you know we're mid we're all just talking about how we're afraid to do things yeah. because of all the times we've done a similar thing and it's gone wrong and that's why
0: both of us are losing in our couple leagues right now i'm doing well in that in that uh, keeper league though uh even me too Finan. Yeah. thanks john newhold see you in the finals brian and john newhold <laughs> Uh, okay yeah. there's some other good teams too uh, okay let's go to chicago now actually brian let's take a quick break here okay we're a bit behind schedule but i think it's still a good time for us to stop down take a breath hear a word from our great sponsors and we'll be back in just a sec with some more c teams chicago colorado and columbus uh just a second, listen to kevin carlson All right, we are back, Brian. We're going through the league, getting back up to date for everyone who took the holidays off here. We're going to go to Chicago, and like Anaheim, this is another team that is not scoring goals. Only two goals now in their last three games. Things are getting pretty dire over here. We got a tweet from at KCWin66. Uh, classic Twitter handle. Do you think it's time to cut Seth Jones in a points league? I have Makar and D'Angelo and I have Tony on my But Anyways, uh, there's like thoughts on Jones pacing for 50 plus points rest of season. And I respond saying 50 plus points. I'd be happy for him to be like half point per game like if, like I think that like, you're like I think my answer is no like we'll see if Brian says and like Brian's been big on the cold water today so I can't imagine now you're gonna change your mind on Seth Jones of all people like Chicago doesn't score goals he's not like Patrick Kane who might get traded right he's got a long-term expensive contract uh, I, it would be like really weird for them to trade him at this point so I think he's stuck here on a team that might even trade Patrick Kane uh, Seth Jones only one point in his last six games he's pacing for 33 on the season I'd love for him to get to 40 and I honestly don't even think that might be in the card. So I don't know. No way he sniffs 50, right? This is my opinion. Anyways, not to like ask you a biased question, but come on, Brian, there's no way, right? <laughs> I don't know, Elon. I think it might
1: surprise you here. Like, first off, though, I, I look up a lot of guys. Okay, I look up guys. That's what I do. And uh, when I look them up,
0: I've looked up a few guys in my life.
1: <laughs> I see a, a lot of points per 60 rates when I look at these guys at five on five. And I'm used to seeing certain numbers within a certain range. The one I'm seeing for Seth Jones right now, which is, I'll, I'll say it out loud, 0.4 points per 60 minutes at five on five, which might not mean much to you. But with all the guys I've looked up, let me tell you, this has to be. One of the worst points per 60 scoring rates... I've ever seen. And that's including like all the jobbers we talk about Elon through the year who get hot, like just to sort of test my bias yet. Like I went and looked up Dmitry Orlov. He's crushing Seth Jones at five on five points per 60 minutes. Yeah. It's
0: nice when you play on a team that scores goals. It really helps you. You have more points per 60. That
1: definitely is helpful. Um, At this rate,
0: it's nice to be on a team with a player that's chasing the all time (laughs) goal scoring record. That usually helps you get some more points per 60.
1: Even if you're... Yeah. For, okay, so maybe I should have looked... And I, I could have looked up anyone else, Elon. I wouldn't have found... Uh, it's a shocking number. Shockingly low. At this rate, if Seth Jones is playing not quite 20 minutes a night at 5-on-5, five five, it's going to take Seth Jones six games to get one single 5-on-5 five five point, which coincidentally, Elon, is the cold snap you've just mentioned. Seth Jones has just three 5-on-5 five five points all year long in 25 games. He has a goal... And two assists, uh, both secondary assists, by the way. So he has not set up a goal yet, which might, I don't know, back up your theory. So why is wh- what's going on here? Um, like you need to you need to multiply his current five on five rates for scoring by two and a half times to get to his five on five production last year on a Chicago team that was better than this um so why why is Seth Jones struggling so much well 30 percent points participation rate at five on five way too low he has that one single primary point at five on five the on-ice shooting percentage of his team while he's on the ice at five on five just five percent and also on the whole Seth Jones uh tad insult to injuries is down 90 seconds a night of ice time um on the power play he is shooting more though which is actually helping I don't know if you noticed Elon but he's taking more shots per game uh compared to last year Seth yeah, Jones Probably have one or two power play goals by now with the frequency and quality of the shots that Seth Jones is putting up with the man advantage. He's also uh, barely participated relatively speaking, in power play goals scored while he's on the ice. Seth Jones was in on 70 to 80 percent of the goals that he had been on the ice for uh, with the on the power play in Columbus over the years. 55 percent in Chicago last year, which was a drop but this year. He's down at 37 percent, which is unsustainably low. So I, I will say, Ilana, if I'm looking at everything outside this variance, quote-unquote, because, like, some of it is because the team is garbage. Um, But I will say I don't see massive differences in Seth Jones' underlying numbers this year compared to last year and other years. And that includes – really does. Like, it includes – his on ice performances of his teammates, even though we might say uh, like, well, we're watching Chicago. They look terrible. The numbers are telling a story that means uh, that, that says, Hey, this team is not significantly worse with Seth Jones on the ice than they were last year. So this means uh, that, yeah, this could be a great by low moment for mm-hmm. Seth Jones. Or you could say like, I don't want any part of any of this. Like I, like I'm, I'm just going to nope right out of Chicago. And I would lean towards staying away from Seth Jones but I also don't think it's impossible Elon. like you seem to think that 50 plus point pace was like impossible no way I don't think so like I will take the under on the 50 point pace the rest of the way what bet can we make
0: 45
1: Uh, like I don't know I'd say a half point per game the rest of the way I'll take the under okay alright I'll take the over and he gets you a couple blocks he gets you two three shots a game that's not so bad and also remember Seth Jones is also he's only played 25 games so like there could be some small sample shenanigans with the variants. there's reason to believe here Elon and I'm digging um, it's hard to imagine anyone finds really smooth success in Chicago like on any other team in the league almost I'd say yes that's Jones gets back to 50 points but on this comically bad Chicago team I can't quite say that's true so the easiest thing to do is just stay away but if you want to make a little bet and take a little run at a guy that some manager in your league is probably desperate to get rid of you might want to just kick tires and see
0: what they're asking yeah or just wait for them to drop him And then get him for free.
1: Yeah. I can get behind
0: adding him for free. I don't know. I guess it depends what the cost is. Uh, Like, I just worry that once they trade Patrick Kane, if they do that, oh boy. But okay. Uh, Let's go to Colorado now. Hey, Nathan McKinnon is back. Uh, but not a, such a fun return, unfortunately. Pointless in the 6-2 loss to the Leafs. So I guess Colorado will have to wait for the next game to really celebrate the Nathan McKinnon return. But anyways, he went back on a line with Rantanen and Archery Lekanen, which left uh, Comfer to play on a line with Erod and Logan O'Connor because Valerie Natchushkin is injured again. He re-injured his surgically repaired ankle and there's no timeline. That does not sound good to me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I wouldn't be banking on Natchushkin coming back anytime soon, uh, which means, okay, so then that means these lines maybe are going to stick or some combination of them. The top power play in that game versus Toronto, McKinnon, Rantanen, Lackanen, Comfer, and Makar. I'm sure is cold again, even though he's playing with Rantanen and McKinnon at even strengthened on the power play. He's pointless in three games, only two points in his last seven games. And Brian, we're, I'm assuming we're not going to make the mistake of saying you can drop Lackanen again, right? Like, I feel like I've been burned once and I'm just going to assume he's going to get back to producing considering his line mates, right?
1: Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean this is a this is a case study of the problem that we are having which is we both dropped Lekanin at a really what seemed like an opportune moment and wasn't so no I'm not dropping him now especially with the likelihood that Natushkin is out for another little while and that buys Lekanin some time and good deployment.
0: Yeah, and then we should mention JT Comfer had a goal and an assist versus Toronto. Got in on both of those goals. They were able to get past the Leafs. Uh, he now has six points in his last four games. And uh, Colorado, decent enough schedule next week. Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Actually, that's not even that great of a schedule. But at least you can get him for Monday and then reassess, I guess. I don't know. I would take Comfort over Jordan Stahl. I'll say that, but we're going to have some other guys that I think we're going to be more excited about than JT Comfer, even though it's nice to see him on the top power play and producing at the moment.
1: Not like great that he's on the top power play, but that just makes him like a, I, like I'd stream him ahead of Taylor Hall. Okay. How yeah. about that?
0: Hmm. That's an interesting. one. I think I might take Hall, but okay. Uh, let's go to Columbus now. They're not scoring. I'm
1: supposed to be the one who loves Taylor Hall. On I don't this love show. him.
0: I don't. I really don't love JT Comfort, I guess.
1: Yeah, me neither.
0: Okay, so Columbus also not scoring very much. Only 14 goals in their last eight games. That's very bad. It's less than like two goals a game, right? Adam Boakvist has been quarterbacking the top power play, and he to me is like worse than cam fowler if i'll say like i know people love jumping on a new top power play quarterback and when he came back he got taken in like all of my leagues and since then i think he's been dropped or if not he will be dropped soon he he did get an assist in the last game it was a power play assist it was against chicago um i don't know i've just bogus has gotten top power play before and i've never seen him produce there in chicago in columbus like when wierenski was injured last year so i don't know if it's me I'm, i'm staying away but it's a good spot for him to be in But I just I need to see him actually produce before I'd be interested in him. Like I did the stream scheme. He's like low percent rostered. Seems so. Columbus plays four times next week, and I picked Jake Wallman as one of my streamers ahead of Adam Bokfist, and I feel pretty good about it. So we'll see how the week plays out. Uh, uh, What else is going on here on Columbus? So Line A has been out with COVID, so he'll probably be back at some point soon. You would assume. Kent Johnson got that line one spot with Goudreau and line A before line A went down. And we on the podcast were like pretty high on him, right? Like we were like jump and grab Kent Johnson. It was after the Boone Jenner injury, right? And we were like saying, you got to get him. It's going to be like at least a month. Maybe, like, we were, like, too excited here, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's Kent Johnson, who, like, has a big pedigree. He's going to be good one day, but he scored goals in a couple games. Since then, has been quiet. Uh, I think we probably have a lesson here. Like, I think I might have said pause the pod, and I'm kind of regretting it now. So, you know, we're about accountability here at Keeping Carlson. And I think maybe we – I was too excited, at least, Brian. Maybe I don't want to include you here, but I was too excited about Kent Johnson. I would say that, at this point, he's an interesting streamer, maybe. Columbus plays four times next week. But, like, they also have Emil Bemstrom, who has scored in two games since he came back. And he's not on the top line, but he's on the top power play. Like, I think I'm, like, similarly interested in Bemstrom. And I'm not saying, like, pause the pod for Bemstrom, right? So I feel like him, Johnson, Nyquist, maybe Roslovic. I feel like they're all kind of the same at this point. Like, I'm not, like, higher on Kent Johnson than any of these other guys.
1: Agree. Neither am I. Uh, and Boakfist too. Like, I, I agree with you, Elon. I'm low on bokvis He's had these opportunities before. He's already burned through one team in Chicago. Now he's in Columbus and uh, as part of the Seth Jones trade, of course, interestingly enough. And like so few peripherals from Boakfist too. And such random production. He rarely gets hot. Um, which means you can forgive yourself if you miss out on a few good games from Adam Boakvist. Ken Johnson, Elon, yeah. Like, uh, unfortunately, the last couple games, he's only seen 14 or 15 minutes of ice time, uh, second power play type deployment. I think, yeah, I think you were a little too excited, but I honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Like, I wouldn't want missing him to be a lesson to not take a shot like that again like ken johnson was worth a look at the moment it didn't work out this happens but i like i like what you're saying about emil bemstrom i love to see nine shots in two games from bemstrom top power play two goals in the last uh, two games including one on the power play so it's like yeah he could potentially keep scoring that way if he keeps taking four and a half shots per game on average uh i'd say uh, bemstrom is probably my top columbus streamer until he isn't. Like this has happened before. We've seen Ken Johnson like trajectories from Emil Bemstrom too. But he is the flavor of the week in Columbus.
0: Yeah, and, and I should mention, by the way, like a nice, Nyquist and Roslevic each have five points in their last five games. You could probably like ch- take your shot. On one of these people, and obviously you'll want to check and see what the lines are when Line A comes back. But at the end of the day, it's Columbus. So, like I said, they they don't score that many goals. So, if you do stream a Columbus player, it's also possible you'll just get goose eggs, and you'll wish you had gone to another team. Uh, by the way, I should mention their goalie, Corpusalo. Brian, I know that you you're always holding a candle to Murslickins here, but solo is having a good season, and he's clearly the starter. He's getting all the starts lately, at least, even though Merslickens is healthy. We're up to 15 games now for Corpus solo and he has a 9-12 save percentage. So, obviously, this is not a high end option in fantasy, but if you need a starting goalie that's less than 10% rostered, Corpusalo's been pretty good. Like I'm not so afraid of grabbing him for a game to be honest and maybe holding on if you need a couple games in a week.
1: All right, well, here's the cold water that I put away for Seth Jones. Uh Corpusalo, yeah. Just four goals allowed over his last three appearances. It was like two and a half games. Uh he played Chicago twice in that stretch and the Islanders for the other game. Uh, but doesn't matter. Nine fifty-one over these last two and a half games for Corpasalo uh, has picked up one win with that nine fifty-one C percentage, and that's lifted him, Elon. Like you said, now he's a nine twelve goalie. Well, he was a nine oh three before that. Nine oh five is league average right now, so it's not to say he's been like awful. But oh, yeah. uh, to be clear, I'm my, not
0: saying I think Corpasalo is going to be like above average, but I think he okay. might be like decently average.
1: <sighs> I don't know. I'd be really worried about that. My feelings on Corpasalo really haven't changed a whole lot since we last spoke, and his schedule is, like, busy nights only till Sunday, keep in mind. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, Elon, you want Corpus Allo to happen. I'm just still not seeing it. And being good is one thing, or being average even is one thing, but... Being average on Columbus is another. Like that's 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 not a good place to just be average. So if you're checking out Corpusalo, check him out at your own risk. Huh. It's, okay, it's fair enough. I'll no,
0: I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I, I'm making the you know people need to know what goalies that might be in their free agency are playing games and doing well lately. And you're Corpus right. Is one of them, and at least you could at least acknowledge that like Elvis Lickens is not better at this point anyways we haven't seen any reason to expect him to do any better yeah he's been doing
1: right we see four games coming up for columbus it's likely that corpus aldo sees at least two starts of those which makes him worth rostering to anybody really seeking out goalie starts so thank you elon for bringing him up
0: (laughs) i'll even guess that he'll get three of those starts but okay dallas everything's the same in dallas like always right like there's nothing there's no new news like the whole point of this episode is to get people up to speed on what's been going on it's the same okay the top line is very good some other people sometimes tyler sagan sometimes does sometimes doesn't Haskinen's good I don't know. That's it. Okay, White Johnston right now has four goals in his last six games. I think Dallas got a steal, getting him a 23rd overall in 2021. Looks like he's going to be really good. But, uh, you know, whatever. In a one-year league, I don't know if he's going to keep that up. So I think that's it for Dallas. Let's go to Detroit now. Ville Husso has been ill, which means my guy, Magnus Helberg, got the start versus his former team from this season uh, over Nadelkovic. was interesting, right? Like, it was Helberg that got the start versus Ottawa, even though Nadelkovic is healthy and fine. And Helberg got the win. So I don't know. I think Nedeljkovic has been so bad this year. And with Helberg looking decent enough as a backup, I think Nedeljkovic might be going the way of Kyle Peterson soon. and maybe getting waived. We'll see if someone claims him. This is obviously a proje- uh, conjecture on my part, but I think Helberg has shown to be better than Nedeljkovic at this point. So I think he of should be Of course you do. You-
1: I think Helberg has, has proven to be better than Corpusalo
0: too Maybe. We love Helberg. I think that Helberg is probably better than Corpasalo. He's it's, good.
1: I love how I love how much you think Helberg has proven in like four and a half. Well, games. okay,
0: but no, I will just say Nadelkovich has proven to be like really terrible. Like I think that is just like not up to the task this season. He has like a eight eighty save percentage. Every game he plays yeah. is bad.
1: I, I agree. I would throw in the towel on Nadelkovich too at this point if I'm Detroit and see what Helberg can offer me. Um yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. We were wondering if maybe he could push Huso a bit. But of course, Huso's been, you know, overall pretty good. Mm-hmm. So there hasn't been much opportunity for Nadalkovich. And the little one that he's had, you know, like they seem to have wanted him to play one every three games. He's blown it pretty much every single time. So, uh, so long, seen a little while, Alex Nadalkovich. Maybe you'll be better next time.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm happy for Helberg. Well, I'd like to see him get a few games this year.
1: Me too. I love he's such, a, he's such an easy guy to root for. If you've read one article or listened to
0: one thing or watched one thing on
1: Helberg, you love the guy. He's great.
0: Yeah. And cool pads. But okay, the real star cool in lately. Magnus
1: Helberg. Yeah, name, Is that the
0: best name in the league? Pads. He's got it all okay the the big guy here here's maybe a pause the pod guy you tell me brian but i brought him up i'm like spoiling you should stop this podcast and go listen to the stream scheme that i did okay it's that's in your feed right now it's like what is it, 20 minutes long 25 minutes if you skip the ads so uh just go check that out and come back i'm gonna just spoil it okay one of my streamers michael rasmussen i feel like it was easy doing stream scheme was actually easy like i know dave uh, like does a lot of hard work and and he does is really successful but sometimes i think like he, dave you're going like deep you're grabbing like lars eller types when you some Sometimes you just gotta pick the guy on the hot streak that's on the top line. I guess you d- usually do when they, when they do come up. But man, Michael Rasmussen continues to produce big time. I'm just I'm just joshing with Dave, by the way. Uh, big Lark, top line, top power play. Larkin, Perron, uh, both at even strengthened on the power play. Rasmussen had a goal versus Ottawa, bringing him to seven points his last five games, including four points versus tampa in that one amazing game of course like things might change soon in detroit like bertuzzi and verana both should be back soon but do you think rasmussen has done enough to hold his roster spot like can you i mean whatever you don't even have to really know like it's in terms of fantasy advice it's like grab rasmussen and hold him for as long yeah. as he's in this spot but i yes. i do wonder if like it's possible that he holds the spot like he's doing well with you know larkin and perron and then they can put bertuzzi and verana on another line with andrew Copper or whatever or you know, obviously, Lucas Raymond, like, they'll figure it out. You know, why bump someone who's producing?
1: That's my feeling. Exactly. And yeah, he scored three times on 13 shots. Normally, I'd be like, yeah, you know, be careful. But 13 shots over four games, including like, you had 10 shots over two games, which was really exciting. I think that I well, I, I agree with you, Elon, like, go get him. And see what happens. Is like, is there an opportunity to hold on? Uh, I think there are certainly enough line combinations possible for Detroit to leave Rasmussen there while finding spots for Vrana and Bertuzzi alongside Pius Suter, Andrew Cobb, Joe Valeno. There, there's other places to put those guys if Rasmussen is working out on the top line with Dylan Larkin and David Perron, who also wasn't necessarily supposed to be on the top line. But why break up a good thing? I have Michael Rasmussen on my roster. That's one good decision I've made over the last couple of
0: weeks. And I'm going to hang on to find out. Yeah, good one. Okay, so what are you complaining about? I don't have any of these guys. I've made a lot about. of other really poor choices. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so since we're on, I've got a lot of other things I want to talk about in Detroit. First of all, there's a rookie Elmer Soderblom who's looking really good lately from his line with Kubalik and Veleno. By the way, Rasmussen is like the Kubalik of like a month ago, right? Like where we were so excited about, and it was it wasn't bad advice to grab Kubalik. People had a good time. Was, hopefully, you you know you moved on when you when you realized it was time. Alright, you know he scored. I think he got a point in his last game. But anyways, Soderblom now is someone who's kind of exciting, right? So if you're in a super deep League. Uh, Soderblom had a goal versus Ottawa, his sixth point in his last six games. He's got low time on ice, but he's producing. Uh, you know, if he keeps on getting only 10 minutes a game, I'm not going to expect Soderbaum to keep this up, but it could always be one of these situations where you know, he's a rookie and he's doing well. So usually a coach will reward a rookie by improving his deployment. Of course, we just talked about how Detroit's already getting kind of crowded with Bertuzzi and Verona coming back. So I'm not sure if my advice is to like to jump on Soderblom, but definitely someone you should have on your radar. Uh, then on defense, more at cider, pointless in eight Philip Heronick, only two points the last 10 games. Oh no, Brian, this is not working out. Well, like cider, especially was drafted so high in leagues. He's just nothing right now. The D who's doing something. I mentioned him earlier is Jake Wallman. He has two points in his last three games with like lots of shots and lots of blocks. Uh, He even saw some power play time for the first time this year in that game versus Ottawa. So I guess I have a two part question for you, Brian. First of all, are Cider and Heronic becoming snoozers in your eyes? If you have them in your leagues, are you getting to a point now where you're thinking of moving them out for like another guy who plays, you know, like Cam Fowler's out there and he plays four times next week? Can you get to a point now where you're just going to swap out Cider for someone who, and, you know, and expect to just keep streaming that spot? Or are you still expecting him to bounce back to somewhat close to what he did last year? And then my second question is who tf is Jake qualman and like are you buying into this recent search at all because i'm really liking his time on ice and peripherals
1: okay yeah great questions about uh well i guess i'll start with mort cider who uh has been on a really unfortunate run lately over his last eight games the first four had he was not on the ice for a goal scored, and then the 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 second group of four games, Cider was on the ice for nine goals and scored zero points on them. So that's uh, a combination of poor shooting percent, like bad on ice shooting percentage while Cider's on the ice, plus low points participation, both which are unsustainably poor. Don't worry about it. Philip Hronick, similar story, by the way. Uh, He's been on the ice for 13 goals during his goal stretch, and he's only picked up two points on them when you'd expect him to be in on, you know, uh, nearly half of those goals. So, and his numbers would look much better. So things are okay. Honestly, both low points participation for Sider and Hronick, low scoring by teammates. They'll be fine. Uh, Jake Wallman. uh, Yeah uh like i i don't who tf is he uh okay he's 26 years old he turns 27 in february he's been seeing more minutes since early december uh he, he went from like a bottom pairing guy to top four and even top two type minutes some nights although I think the top two type minutes are really just appearing because he takes on big penalty kill duties which I think help with Wallman picking up blocks the shots coming are nice too uh, Wallman was drafted in 2014 third round 82nd overall by the St. Louis Blues Uh, Even though he was only drafted in 2014, or he was already drafted way way back, eight years ago, just 76 career games to Wallman's name since semi-breaking into the league, only like three years ago, ago, was like the first extended look he got in the NHL. And even then, it wasn't that extended. So, uh, this is uh, this is Wallman's second year out of the St. Louis organization. He played 19 games with Detroit last year. He's never really appeared offensive since uh, becoming, like, a pro hockey until player. Until now. So, some offensive production in college, uh, but not a ton even then. So, yeah, until now. So, we'll see what, what the future holds for Jake Wallman, but uh, give me more insider or Philip Ronick instead uh, above him please
0: okay fair enough uh, okay next up let's go to Edmonton we had a question from there's no G on Twitter is nurse in danger of becoming a snoozer been pretty average in periffs a little below average in points and has had a brutal actual season with costly turnovers and defensive lapses should I get out while I can so this was asked back on Christmas day actually and if I look at the stuff that's happened since then he had a nice one goal one assist game versus Seattle recently aside from that nurse has been pointless in four of his last five games he had six hits in edmonton's last game versus winnipeg which was nice but that was actually his first game with more than two hits in like a couple weeks so he's and he even had a bunch of zero hit games at the start of december which was very weird for darnell nurse because the whole point of him is he's supposed to be this like reliable like half point per game guy like but like amazing peripherals lots of shots that makes up for it he ends up being like a guy who you can draft pretty high and you know you're gonna get pretty solid points from him in a league like the like a Cupful, where we give points for shots and points for blocks uh, along with the points. Is Nurse starting to lose some of his luster to you, Brian? As this like reliable half point per guy with big paris? Or do you think that this is just like a bit of a you know, he's, he hasn't been terrible this year, right? But I'm just wondering, like, what's your vibe currently on Nurse? Like, I always thought of him as, like, him and Jacob Truba. I was like, this like, weird guys who people take high in the draft. And it makes sense because their average points per game are high, even though they get, like, you know, 30 to 40 points as their pace. And Nurse usually paced for more than 40. This year, we're looking at around 40 again. No power play time. But Edmonton does score a lot of goals. I don't know. What's your vibe on Nurse right now?
1: My vibe is, uh, it actually reminds me a lot of the last time we talked about nurse, which I think was when Shams was like, can you guys like what's up with nurse? And we both looked and were like, I don't know. Seems like he's doing about what we'd expect. And like, it was just because he was in a bit of a cold stretch. And I, I see that Nurse is hitting less. And that's a bummer. Because uh, like you said, Elon, that's what we expect from Darnell Nurse. We want those hits to come. We want that solid peripheral floor. And it's just not quite there. He's also uh, on the ice just a little less this year than last year, which I think is probably just taking his total shot counts down just just a, just a smidge not enough to really notice on a night-by-night basis or a week-by-week basis. I think, um, you know, he's on a 43-point pace. Like you said, half-point per game is what we'd expect, so that's reasonable. It's a bit of a cold snap for Darnell Nurse. There's, there's ups and downs through the season. I think this is just a down. It looks like the same old Nurse minus the hits, which, yes, is a bummer. Not to minimize how much that stinks for anybody who's relying on Darnell Nurse to hit. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see any reason to be, like, really alarmed aside for outside of that right. about Darnell Nurse.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, I should probably also mention Connor McDavid, a very rare, pointless game. To end the year versus Winnipeg. How about that? Of course, before that he had five points against Seattle. So I guess he still covered you for the week. McDavid What do you
1: think, what do you think McDavid does like when he goes home after a pointless game? You think he just trashes
0: like- his like house that what was the <laughs> ma- the mausoleum house that he owns?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah, it goes to like a an axe th- or like one of those smash rooms. <laughs> like has to do something to take out his anger or like texts all his teammates and tells them how disappointed he is in them.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, who were, let's see who his line mates were in this game versus Winnipeg. I, okay. Hyman and Pooley Yeah. He's probably just like, you know, messaging the GM just being like, can we get Pooley off this team already? This <laughs> yeah, he's not helping Definitely RV. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to Florida. Now uh, Barkov came back from his injury, had a huge three goal two assist game versus Montreal, which are a much easier team to score goals against than Carolina who shut them out. So obviously Barkov didn't get points in that next game. Uh, By the way, since we're here, uh, Bobrovsky is looking like a starter again. So I think earlier in the season, I was like, it's very clear that Spencer Knight is the starter and Bobrovsky is the backup, and obviously that's goalies in the NHL, right? So it's totally flipped. Uh, Knight finally got a game in that game versus Carolina. He took the L, so I'd imagine Bob will go again on Tuesday. I'm sure at some point this season, Knight will go on another run. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Bob has a couple bad games and Knight goes on a run. But at this point, for now, if you're holding Spencer Knight, you're snoozing. Like, let him go. He's probably not going to play that much. And Bobrovsky is the starter as of now, as of January 1st, 2023.
1: Yeah, and like, you, exactly, we need the date time stamped on that because it, things can change quickly. Like you said, Knight can go on another run. Bob could have a hard time. But remember the last time we mentioned them both? It was that Spencer Knight still like has not put together enough good games in a row to be a legit challenger to the job so it's not surprising that Bobrovsky had enough time to right the ship and uh, maybe a touch surprising that he did because we've seen a lot of bad hockey from Bobrovsky in recent history but it's nice uh it's nice that we have like a cut and dry goal like in a in a year that we would just love some just straightforward goalie situations we've got one back which is nice except for those of us including unfortunately myself in one league who uh gave up on Bobrovsky at an inopportune moment.
0: I mean, at the time, it's Seemed like the right idea. If you have Bobrovsky now, by the way, it might be a good time to trade him, right? Like, you'll probably get decent return. And I still don't have like full, full faith. Like, with goalies, you never know. Like, this is obviously just a guess. But if you can get someone back, maybe like, you have enough goalies where you can trade him for like a more reliable skater or something and then grab like a goalie out of free agency. And no, but I'm not going to say grab Corpus out of free agency. But like, you know, there might be some like goalies out of free agency that could, you know, like a, a Copley if he's somehow out. If Copley is somehow in free agency still and you have Bobrovsky, trade Bobrovsky for like Zach Hyman or whoever ever like a really good skater maybe that's shooting too high but you know, get someone really good and then grab copley anyways okay let's go to la now speaking of copley's team that's probably why he was on my mind some very hot and some very cold players on la and it's not the ones you'd normally expect so the hot players so trevor moore has been out so alex ayafalo has joined that second line with deno and arvidson and all three of them making beautiful music together wow what a run for this line deno now is up to nine points his last seven games arvidson six points his last three games ayafalo I was having a great year. like he missed a lot of time with injury, but now he has seven points in his last six games. So I don't know all three of these guys very interesting to me. On the cold side, you have the two top players, okay? Kopitar, pointless in five games now. Zero or one shot in his last four. Shams asked us to talk about how worried we should be about Kopitar. And then Drew Doughty he had an assist yesterday in the loss to Philly. Uh, that was Doughty's first point in five games. So, Brian, are we at a point now where any of these hot or cold streaks have changed your perceptions of these guys for the rest of the season versus how you felt about them, say, a month ago? Like, are you, like, a lot higher now on I follow? to know or Arvidsson or a lot lower now than you were on Kopitar or Doughty?
1: It's a little nice to see Arvidsson doing something because he he'd gone cold for quite a while. So, I, but that line when it rolls to know Arvidsson and I follow stepping in for more, you want them. So so go get them. Uh, it's nice to see I follow can produce, uh, be a productive member of that line as well. But overall, my my overall take on those guys hasn't changed. On Kopitar, this is another cold snap, like just like we saw earlier in the year. Um, it's a little concerning. He snapped out of the last one though, so. All I can do is hold my breath and hope that he does the same this time around. If it goes for another three, four, five games, then I'll start getting concerned and I'll try and, like, let, we'll, we'll keep digging. But for now, I don't see, there's not enough to say, like, oh, yeah, it's over for Anze Kopitar.
0: It's tricky. Yeah, because I get what you're saying. But, of course, if you, like, wait that time and he stays cold then you can't trade him you know so it's kind of like now's your time where you have to trade him before <laughs>
1: yeah well it's like the mcavoy situation right like you can but it's but you're selling low on kopitar already so you'd basically be like waiting until he's unsellable instead yeah. of selling low so you're like okay do i want to cut my losses now and you know take a bit of a hit or maybe you can package him into a trade that you can find a win for you in um but i yeah, I, all I all I can hope is that like maybe this is just the way Kopitar rolls in his uh, in his older years, where there are periods of time where he goes really quiet. The other concern would be that he's injured, but again, by the time you really figure that out, the value is all gone. So I, I I'm sorry I don't have a better answer than that. That's it's just fair? this is this is just how to evaluate a player that has some new flags that we don't quite recognize or know what to do with. Drew Doughty, did you bring up Drew Doughty, Elon, or did yeah. I bring up Drew Doughty? No, I brought yeah. up Drew Doughty. Okay, this has been a really disappointing year for Drew Doughty. He's back to a mid-40s point pace, which we'd seen him from him for the three seasons leading up to the last one when Doughty teased us with that rejuvenated look and a 65-point pace over the course of half a season. Basically, the whole loss of Doughty's production is at five on five. His power is still good, but his shot rates they haven't kept up since the big season Doughty had last year uh, and the on ice look for Doughty has been a little less offensive for what his teammates are doing. He hasn't been participating in as much of the scoring as we'd expect him to. So there's room for him to grow. And Doughty still hasn't scored a goal at five on five this year, even though he probably should have. Uh, like had a couple by now in the 43 shots he's taken at five on five. So there's room for Dowdy to grow here, but I, I don't think it's going to be that big 60 plus point season that we hoped. I would still maybe kick tires though and see if I could buy, buy low. Um, yeah. I was going to try and like throw in some kind of Seth Jones comment in there, but like I'd, I'd much prefer Drew
0: Doughty to Seth Jones. Would it be crazy to say that maybe Sean Dersey is like similar to that? Like in terms of fantasy value, I feel like yes. they're pretty similar at this point. Yeah, I hate Sean Dursey. But like, I don't
1: hate Sean Dursey. Is dude, dude, Sean dude, dude, Dursey on the top power play with Drew Doughty?
0: No, I don't think okay. so. Okay.
1: Jersey's actually so, not
0: even been that good lately. Only, he has two points oh. in the last four, but he was cold before that.
1: Would you look at, I almost, I almost like subtly antagonized you earlier in the show by suggesting a Seth Jones versus Sean Dursey. I would take Dursey. I, I know you would. <laughs> and I'm actually, this just shows actually my lack of confidence in Seth Jones that I'm not going to make that bet. Okay, but. Fair but i think it would be a fun one
0: i'm sure you're right about seth jones like the more that i'm being like so strongly opinionated about him not being valuable just means that he's probably gonna be really good so i could look dumb that's how the that's how the world works like Uh,
1: you're really you're really into like the cosmic order of the universe (laughs) working against you and that's
0: the theme of this episode it's been a weird season okay but a weird uh, season i should say by the way since i did bring up copley six straight wins now he's won eight of his nine games the one loss that he did take was basically just one bad period versus Buffalo, where Tage Thompson did Tage Thompson things. Uh, Quick hasn't won a game in a month. He got the game versus Philly and and took the loss. Uh, so I don't know. We're still getting questions sometimes about like people listing their available goalies and should. They, but anyways, Copley should be rostered in every league. Andy wrote in the chat here: you're in a clown league of Copley is still out there. So we we don't need to discuss him any further. And in fact, Brian, let's not discuss anything any further on this episode of Keeping Uh-oh. Carlson. <laughs> Uh, I was just,
1: can I? I, One more thing.
0: I'm sorry. I just want to say, like,
1: Cal Peterson's got to be shaking his head, right? Like, this was supposed to be him uh, in the AHL. I just want to let you know with the Ontario Reign, Peterson has a 9 17 save percentage, 4 4 0 record. So, like, there's, I think when Copley falters, if Copley falters, it probably will at some point, then Peterson might have another shot. But uh, mm. in the meantime, yeah, the, the door is not quite as open for his return as he might have thought when he went down.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way I kind of see at this point, I feel like Phoenix Copley is like sticking around. Like I, he'd have to really falter, right? To like fall. Like he's been so amazing, he's turned the King season around. That would be like so rude of them to be like he has one bad game. I'm like okay, back to the minors. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think probably this is just good news for LA in terms of like next year, right? Like Jonathan Quick's contract will finally be done. I think. Finally, after this year, I think Copley might be a free agent though. So I don't know even what's going to happen. But I feel like it's great that Cal Peterson is looking good. And I think that's great for him next year because it doesn't seem like they have room for him this year with what Copley's been doing. But what do I know, right? Trying to predict goalies. Brian, okay, like I said, we're done but only with part one okay we still got a lot of teams to get through from minnesota all the way to winnipeg and we're gonna get to them all in the second half of this mega episode so I hope you're enjoying the show uh check your feed you probably already have part two available to you if not that means you're not properly subscribed i don't know how you if you're aware of podcasts i know someone once made fun of me for like trying to explain how podcasts work to people li- listening to a podcast but there are some people who are just like oh i'll just click on this on spotify like there's a there's a whole thing where you could subscribe to a podcast and then you get the episodes like automatically it's actually also really good for us like i don't know Know if you like want to help us, uh, maybe you don't right you're like you get yours you don't need to help us but if you want to help us these downloads actually we appreciate like obviously the main thing is like if you could become a patron of keeping carlson that's amazing keeping patron. we try to give a lot to our patrons to make up for the the five dollars a month you throw at us uh but if you don't want to do that or even if you do want to do that give us the dl's okay so subscribe to the show download every episode and we're gonna make it worth your while with good content hopefully including part two coming up in just a sec so uh yeah enjoy part two which will come soon. I don't know why I'm taking so long to end this thing. Bye.